Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I sit down with Andrew Copeland from Secret Hopper. Secret Hopper is a mystery shopping service for craft breweries that is helping breweries increase their revenues, create more repeat customers, and fine-tune their tasting rooms. Those are all good things. And we dig into a lot of good topics today. Namely, we'll talk about a data set that Andrew has gathered relative to to to-go beer for tap rooms. And he'll share tips and tactics on ways that you can drive more sales through your tap room. And at the very end, we'll have a special bonus where Andrew is going to share three of his favorite books that he's been reading these days. So you might want to check those out as well. So for now, please enjoy my conversation with Andrew Copeland from Secret Hopper. Hey, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. Always a pleasure chatting with you, Carrie. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. So we did our first podcast together back in May of 2020. It is hard to believe it was that long ago. Seems like only yesterday. So you shared some great resources at that time that breweries could use. And I just want to kind of quickly recap those, and then we'll dig into the meat of our podcast today. So you talked about 10 strategies to maximize your customer's experience in the new normal for tap rooms, and then five tips to create a better merchandise display. I think lots of effective tactics. Some are really straightforward, but often overlooked. And I I love that stuff. And I think people can really use that quick and actionable, profitable type idea. So I will link to those in this podcast show notes as well for folks. And I did want to just talk about two of the things from our first podcast and share these quick tips for people. They were very surprising to me. Um, You know, one was just using single use paper menus and that created essentially a 35% increase in the sale in the ring, which was just remarkable. And then the one you and I talk about a fair amount, but I don't think frankly can be talked about enough is asking for to-go beer in the stats that you had, and and we can maybe update these is if your server is asking your customers if they want to-go beer, there's a 49% of the chance that they will buy, the customer will buy, and only 9% if they don't. So as my dad always used to say, if you don't ask, you don't get. So you've got the data to back it up. So I thought those were, those tickled my funny bone and, and the Figured I would share those with the folks here. So, all right. So today we're going to check in on what has transpired over the last 10 months for tap rooms. I know you have lots of great data and insights to share. Uh, but before we dive in, um, give the listeners some background on Secret Shopper and all the all the good stuff there that you're doing. Yeah, thanks, Carrie. Yeah, those two data points you touched on about having the single-use menus and to-go beer, two of my absolute favorites. I share them way more than I like to admit as well. But 
Once again, my name is Andrew Copeland. I run Secret Hopper, and I also run an organization called Craft Beer Professionals. But Secret Hopper, we're essentially a mystery shopping company specifically for breweries. We're really passionate about the industry, and it's simply our goal to help every brewery we interact with create a more memorable experience and a more profitable experience. And as you mentioned, it's about the little things. When you're busy working behind the bar, talking to a billion customers at once, you might forget to do these little things, but little tips like encouraging beer to go, introducing yourself, just engaging more with the customers help build deeper relationships, which result in the customers coming back sooner, spending more money, and everybody having a great time. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I love that too. And as I had mentioned in the in the past episode, you know, at Wormtown Brewery, we use Secret Hopper. I think we discontinued the service, but we've talked about bringing that back, you know, given that our tap rooms are now open. So hopefully you'll be hearing from our folks on that. I may or may not have gotten an email about that already. And congrats on your new location, by the way. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. So let's talk about to-go beer. You know, it's been a really big deal during the last year. You know, for many tap rooms, it was really the only option. So tell us about the data that you're seeing around this and maybe give us an update on where things might be headed. Absolutely. I just dove into a brand new data set of visits that were just strictly from the pandemic, nothing prior to pandemic. So pre-pandemic, you had mentioned that when guests are, you know, not asked, they're only going to purchase a to-go beer nine percent of the time and that literally blows my mind so what we're seeing is that guests that are not asked right now are making the extra purchase five percent of the time so guess i apologize guests that are not asked they're on their own making the extra purchase five percent of the time and they're making it three percent of the time when they are asked so nothing too drastic there but one thing positive that we are seeing is that staff are encouraging to go beer 10% of the time more. So staff are getting better at suggesting to go beer. And, and I have two theories behind that. First off, you know, as brewery owners, they're probably getting on their staff about saying, hey, you know, we're having tough times right now. Every penny matters. So guests are being encouraged to purchase a little bit more. Another theory we have on that, and this is unfortunate, at the start of the pandemic, so many brewery owners had to reevaluate their business plan. They had to cut back staff. When they got rid of the taproom operation on a large scale and they only kept a handful of employees, perhaps some of the employees that they held on to were those who were better at engaging with the guests. So probably for that reason, when employees are engaging at a higher level, they're by default encouraging to go beer more. So that's an interesting thing we're seeing with, with along the lines of just a little bit more encouragement. But another positive statistic that we're seeing through the pandemic is that overall tabs are higher. This is through the data we collect through Secret Hopper. And once again, it's from, you know, March 2020 to March of this year. And pre-pandemic, we were seeing that the average tab represented about two guests. It was a little over $43. So $43, $43 is the average tab that we were seeing, you know, before COVID. But now we're seeing that the average tab from our, you know, what I like to refer to as the pandemic study is $51.57. This is an increase of $8.14, or almost 18%. And that's a really interesting number to me. It's great we're seeing that guests are spending more. And I believe one reason they're spending more is because of the fact brewery visits have become more intentional, Carrie. People are going out to breweries a lot less. You know, I used to take my wife and my son to breweries probably two or three times a month. And now we might do one brewery visit. We're actually going out for Taco Tuesday tonight. So I've convinced her to let me go to a brewery on a Tuesday evening, which is fantastic. But when we go to a brewery, we're going to spend more money because these visits are more intentional. So instead of spreading that out and having, you know, one or two beers 
two or three times a month, I might get that third beer tonight. And I also might get some beer to go. And, and that's something that I'm looking forward to. And another really interesting thing that we're seeing through this is the greatest increase when looking at situations is when the guests did not purchase any beer to go. Kind of along the lines of brewery visits being more intentional. When a guest pre-pandemic wasn't purchasing beer to go, they were spending about 41 bucks. So the guest goes, they don't purchase any beer to go, they're spending a little over 40 bucks. But during COVID, those guests who aren't purchasing beer to go are spending an average of $50.71. So those people who aren't purchasing beer to go, they might not still be purchasing beer to go, but they're going with the intent of spending more money when they're in the tap room. And I think that's a great thing. Mm, that's that's great stuff. What do you think about, so the use of e-commerce and online portals, right? I mean, has become kind of more of a thing and, it, and it's almost like a regular um, like you would do on Amazon or if you're shopping for anything online, it's just, it's, it's becomes um, so easy to buy that next thing. Do you think that those overall tabs are higher or maybe that, that upsell is working a little better because of that model or is it, um, or what are your thoughts on that? So I'm going to take this to the QR code and QR code is one of those things I always try to avoid, but it always comes up. You know, I don't think I actually used the QR code until October of last year because it had always been so cutting edge that I was too cool to ever get to use it. So, but finally I am using QR codes. And like so many of us, we go to the brewery, we're using the technology to order and it makes it so easy. And I wish I had the data carry that showed spending when you have a physical menu versus having a QR code. I don't have that currently, but I would love to look at it and see if people are actually spending more because it's just easier to spend more. You know, when you're going through the menu and it's say, hey, would you like fries with that? It's just so easy to say yes. And when you're going through, you know, a QR code menu at the brewery and you're checking out and it pops up, says, hey, Andrew, would you like to take a six pack to go? Well, I just got to click a button and I have it ready for me. So I would argue that there are two schools of thought on that. The people who really appreciate the technology may spend more just because it's easy. But on the other hand, I love engagement. I love actually interacting with people. And I definitely think there is that added you know, value still in having that human interaction. When you can build a connection with someone versus the convenience of an app or some sort of technology, I think that's the ultimate win there. But like I said, you know, the technology is making things easier and it's been great during the pandemic because, you know, it's an option. You know, if you don't want that human interaction or you don't want to have to walk back up to the bar to close your tab or you want to order and have it magically appear at your table, these options are there and tons of people are appreciating that convenience, especially as it makes things more, you know, know, touch-free, contactless, whatever the terminology you want to use. Mm. What's your sense as we kind of, you know, things start to reopen and people start coming back? What's your sense on either curbside or to-go beer or the technology aspect? All of these things that have kind of blossomed, is that here to stay? Do you see that maybe reverting to what it was before? No, I do think it's here to stay because in the current state of the world, not everyone's going to be ready to go back to a brewery. So I think those guests who a brewery wants to still connect with, you know, as long as this pandemic lingers and as long as people are hesitant to go in public places, they're going to still appreciate the options like curbside pickup and all the fancy technological solutions we're dealing with right now. And I think people have gotten accustomed to them. I've read somewhere, I, I could be completely wrong in this number, but after six weeks, you know, a habit starts to become more of a routine. And right now we've become accustomed them to all these new solutions to either pick up beer, order beer. So I do think they're here to stay in some capacity. Nice. You know, related to 
you know, I keep coming back to the upsell because it's just one of my favorite words, but um, maybe we can come up with a different word for upsell. Maybe you have one. I'll, I'll let you think about that as I ask, as I frame this question up, because it's I, when I when I bring it up, sometimes I get this. Oh, upsell. That's I don't want to be salesy. Um, but my question was going to be, do you know of any breweries, tap rooms who use some sort of incentive or commission model, maybe for their staff relative to doing that upsell or the, the new word that we're going to come up with here? Yeah, I like to refer to it as the power of suggestion because there's so oh. much power in the influence over the guest. I'm really just reworking the word you said, but you know that's what I like to say so much times that you know when a guest goes to a brewery and I've had a couple IPAs or stouts that I really enjoy, and Carrie goes, "Hey, you look like you really enjoyed our new Belgian IPA. Would you like to take one home with you?" Oh yeah, I did really enjoy that, and I, and I don't want to go to the grocery store again. So yeah, I'll take some home with me. So there's power in suggestion and. You know, with regard to Secret Hopper, we keep the identity of the bulk of our clients pretty secret as the name entails. But I've worked with a brewery recently who has been really working on new ways to motivate their staff. And it sounds like common sense to motivate your staff. But like everything at a brewery, you're moving so fast. You're wearing so many different hats. You might think that your staff loves working there and think they make a decent amount of money doing so. But everybody likes to be rewarded for a job well done. So I've worked with this local brewery here in Virginia, and we just crafted different metrics we can pay attention to. And the number one, of course, is monitoring to-go sales. So there's a lot of different ways you can do that. And depending on how your POS system works, you can get the data in different ways. But it could be as simple as who sells the most crawlers over X number of days or divided by how many shifts. Or it could be whoever has the highest tabs, you know, during the days they work that week. And we like to really encourage you to utilize all the data that your current POS system allows because every metric you get from there is a way you can monitor your staff. And using these metrics are, you know, very concrete ways you can say, hey, you know, Andrew sold 100 crawlers this month, but Carrie came in and he did 250. And let's give Carrie, you know, a gift card to the local Chick-fil-A or the local, you know, bottle shop down the road or whatever motivates Carrie. And along the lines of motivation, one of the things I really encourage brewery owners and taproom managers to do is don't assume you know what your staff is motivated by. Ask them. You know, some people like money. Some people like a little bit of extra low fills. Some people like food. Simply as having a pizza party before they come in to work, you know, an eight-hour shift, that could be all they want. And when working with this local brewery here in Virginia, you know, they had never asked their staff what they want. And so we did. And we learned that it doesn't take a whole lot to motivate their staff. The staff would be motivated over the course of a weekend to try to get a little better at encouraging to-go beer sales by a simple Chick-fil-A gift card. That was the consensus. $25 gift card to Chick-fil-A. If you have eight employees working over the course of a weekend and you get all of them passionate about encouraging more beer to go and your only cost is a $25 Chick-fil-A gift card, guess what? You're going to sell a ton of beer to go just by simply simply getting them excited about it. And when it comes to that excitement, you have to get people excited because it's that passion that's going to get your staff more excited about, you know, repping your brand, selling more beer to go. Sure, you know, they work at a brewery. It's romantic to work at a brewery, but you really need to get them to buy into your company culture. And that starts at the top, flows down to the management, goes to your staff, and then it goes to all the guests. Because if they're not excited about working at your brewery, you know, your guests aren't going to be excited about coming back with so many great option these days, especially when brewery visits are more intentional, they can easily go to the brewery around the corner where the staff makes them feel a little more welcome there. You know, it doesn't have that energy that radiates. Mm, good stuff. 
making me hungry too with that Chick-fil-A. Makes me hungry as well. You know, I don't get to celebrate Taco Tuesday for about two and a half more hours. There you go. So I want to I want to underscore a few of the things that you had talked about there that that kind of jumped out at me. Number one is just the basics of monitoring your to-go sales. So so maybe start by you know what do some historical you know numbers like what have we sold in the past? I like to do a lot of month over month, week over week stuff. So monitoring is number one. And then maybe that leaderboard type of idea, like who's who's selling the most. People are inherently, most are inherently competitive or they want to see how they rank with their peers. So I love that idea of a lead, leaderboard. Um, incentives, it's a great point. You know, don't assume you know what people want. I think by and large, you know, people want to get paid. So if there's, if there's dollars that, but certainly it could be something else uh, in addition to perhaps. And then this last point I wanted, and I wanted to kind of follow up with you on this is you said using all the data that your POS allows. Uh, so I could make some assumptions on that, but I, maybe tell me a little bit more about that. How might you approach or give so taproom managers, brewery owners, some ideas on, I've got this POA, POS system. Andrew suggests we use all the data uh, that it allows. Where would you, where would you point and where would they, where would they start? No, that's a great question with so many great POS options right there. I'm not, you know, positive. I don't support any more than the next. But what I would recommend is talking to your POS company that you work with and figure out what metrics they can help you, you know, monitor. Because that's really important to know what you have access to. And a lot of them, you know, they will give you the breakdown between employees. They have like a different like user ID for every employee who's checking out. If that's an option, it's a great way to do it. In other situations, we find that, you know, everybody's logging in sales through the same, you know, login. So you can't really break it down by employee then, but you could break it down by shift. If you have, you know, yourself and myself working that shift, we can see that when Andrew and Carrie are working together, our average tabs are 56 bucks. But when, you know, John and Sally are working together, their tabs might only be $43. So monitoring metrics like that over time. And as you mentioned, using benchmarks, look at, you know, what you did probably during pre-pandemic times to use a good gauge to what you compare to as we get to a sense of more normalcy. A lot of POS systems also allow you to monitor your touch points. Your touch points are essentially every opportunity you have to interact with a customer, whether you're just checking in and seeing if you need anything else or you're closing out the tab you know my, my theory is the more touch points you have with any single customer the higher the level of engagement obviously will be the higher the tab so you might want to possibly monitor you know how many times you touch base and communicate with a guest over the course of their experience and that's something that's probably a little bit harder for a lot of pos systems to monitor but i know that some out in the market they do that they specialize in, in the craft beer space and they can really help you kind of tone it into your exact experience I, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it. I love that. Um, so have you you have have you seen tap rooms that actually can quantify because because here's the thing. I know I know I'll speak just as a consumer. Like if you go into a tap room, you, know, you order a beer, maybe you have to fight your way to the bar, you get it you back to the table, that beer is empty, you're like, I am dying for another beer. Uh, I cannot my but they never come and see you. Um, and that that's just painting like a, a you know one circumstance. But do you see uh, tap room managers, staff um, um, measuring. Do you have any data, I guess, on that? I love the I love the idea, and it makes perfect sense to me. But is where could you correlate touch points to engagement to? So I don't have any data in the set that I have that would show that you know 
10 touch points is more valuable than four touch points. I don't have that. My data is kind of along the lines of low engagement, neutral engagement, moderate engagement, and high engagement. And we see visits where the staff is engaging at a high level generate about 20% more than the visits that are low level engagement. But see, there see, are- that's, that's what I was going yeah. for, that you gave me the 20%. That's what I got. It's 20% more just by, you know, building those relationships. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time to build those relationships. One of my favorite, you know, strategies that I offer, Carrie, is what I call the 30-second conversation. And essentially that goes like, hi, I'm Andrew. Welcome to Andrew's Brewery. That's the greeting. Then you say, you know, have you been here today? Have you been here before? What a beautiful day. You're just starting up a little conversation. And then you essentially ask them, what do you typically drink, Carrie? And then you're going to give me a little information where we're going to figure out what you want to enjoy today. And then I'm going to serve it to you. I'm not just going to serve you your flight or pint. I'm going to announce it to you. You know, here's your limited edition, you know, Belgian IPA. I love Belgian IPAs and I don't get them a whole lot. So I like to throw them in the conversation. So here's your Belgian IPA. Or if you have a stout or you have a flight, you know, announce everything that you have. And one thing that I always enjoy announcing when I like serve a beer, so to speak, let people know the ABV. You know, I hate it. My wife particularly hates it when I order a, a stout and I find out that it's like 13 and percent and I had no idea. So make sure you're educating your guests during this experience. But the last part of this quick 30 second conversation, which I've taken a little bit longer to explain, is really the thank you. You know, thank you for coming to the brewery today. Would you like any beer to go? Hope to see you soon. So just within 30 seconds, you're able to cram a ton of things in there that help you build that engagement. So some guests, they don't necessarily want you to hover over the table, but even during those short encounters, we just touching base, you can build the great framework for a strong relationship that's still engaging during those quick few seconds. It's great stuff. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit, you know, as folks are coming back to breweries again and things are starting to reopen you know, we want to do it in a, in a safe way, make the guests feel comfortable. So what are the key things in your mind that are going to make that a good experience? What are you, what are you learning around this? It really comes down to understanding every guest that walks through your doors. You know, at the start of the pandemic, when some tap rooms first opened up, we saw two types of guests that came out. We saw the people who didn't really care a whole lot about the pandemic. They probably had their mask below their nose. They walked a little too closely behind you. They didn't really care. You saw those guests come out immediately. But you also saw the people who wore their masks, they socially distanced. These were your most loyal fans who wanted to do anything they could to support you. And over the course of the pandemic, we've seen more people comfortable of returning to tap rooms. But think about the guest who hasn't been to a tap room since, say, early March 2020. There are people who have not visited a tap room at all over the course of the pandemic. You need to be asking yourself, how can we welcome that person back to our tap room as well as the person who is coming when you first open your doors back up? Because you're gonna have all these customers coming at once. And the goal to do that is to provide the safest experience possible. You know, Make sure you let your guests know what to expect. This is one of the big things that I've found there's no too, not too much information you can put out to the world. And social media is one of the best ways to do it. Every post you make about, hey, we've got this special release coming out this weekend, also include your hours, also include any unique COVID-related protocol people should be aware of. In the changing state of the world right now and regulations, I feel like are changing every other day. Let your guests know what to expect when they come to your tap room. And more importantly, don't assume that everyone sees it on your Facebook. Because guess what? Everybody who's following you on social media, they already 
like what you're doing. Think about the guests who are going to come who might not already have liked your Facebook or Instagram. When they arrive, consider having some sort of even just like poster board on an easel that says, hey, these are the five steps you need to follow to enjoy the experience here. This is how you order. This is the kind of mask you need to wear and when you got to wear it. And this is how we're going to keep things clean for you. Put those little steps up there because you can't assume that everybody already knows what it's like because your brewery could be their first experience back through the whole pandemic. And unless you wow them, they might not come out for a while or they might go might go to somewhere else. And one of the things that I really like to see as well, I like to see a smile. And there's a brewery I've seen out of Colorado, Scott Street Brew Stillery out of Boulder. They do a really neat thing. When you walk into their tap room, they have a wall. And on that wall, Carrie, is a picture of every single staff member without a mask. And I absolutely love it because I miss seeing people smile. And, you know, it's great to see you here today on Zoom. But that smile face to face is something that we don't see a whole lot. So letting your guests know that we're people, too, we still have a face can be a great way to start to build that connection. Mm, That's a good point. I've seen that just, you know, watching the news or whatever, where the doctors will have, you know, a picture of themselves. Right. If you're in a hospital, you know, it's it's, here's who I am. Here's what I look like without a mask. I hadn't really thought about that in terms of bringing that kind of concept to the tap room. But that's, I think that goes back to the engagement piece that you're talking about, right? Is that, yeah, I got to wear this mask because this is what's going on right now. Um, But here's what I look like without one, right? That's good. I I love the I love the basic, you know, a lot of these things are fundamentals, but you know, they, they're easy to overlook and, you know, we get fatigued too with all of these things we have to know, but just because we're getting tired of it doesn't mean it's going away. So we need, there, there are th- certain things that we need to do, taproom owners, managers need to do, to your point, to welcome back those folks that are, are still a little nervous about going out, you know, and I'll put myself in that bucket is, you know, outside of Wormtown, I've really not been in any other tap rooms. Um, and it's for all those reasons you describe. It's just, all right, well, but I'm ready to go back. I really want to. But I think that would be an important component is just making sure that those those safety measures are are covered. Yeah, and absolutely. In the study we did in February of this year, we found that nearly 40% of people had been to a brewery. 45.4% of the respondents had not visited a brewery this year. And that really blows my mind because, you know, we assume that, you know, when we go to a tap room, we assume that our friends are going out and things are starting to get more normal. But the reality is nearly half people aren't going to tap rooms yet. And we have to be prepared to welcome them back safely and we need to be ready to wow them. So let's talk about outdoor spaces, because that is one thing that's, you know, for the for the more, I guess I would say, uh, cautious amongst us, you know, the outdoor spaces feel a little more comfortable um, in terms of you can spread out and you can air out and all that stuff. It was a big help, I think, during the certainly during the height of the pandemic. Uh, So what are you seeing on this? What do you foresee kind of going forward uh, relative to outdoor spaces as restrictions start to lift? So that's a great question. I think we are starting to see people more willing to go indoors, but I like to say, you know, the weather's getting beautiful out. Why would you even want to go indoors? So I I think it's a moot point for some people, but the outdoor spaces have been a killer way for breweries to still connect with guests not willing to go indoors through the pandemic. So if you've had that awesome space for the past year that's had a fire pit, that's just had all the welcoming, you know, decor that people want to sit at, it's very welcoming, you know, and it's been the one spot in your community that you flaunted it. You let it be known that we have the best outdoor space. 
you've been able to build connections with guests over the past year. And I think they truly appreciate you offering those safe outdoor spaces over the pandemic. And I truly believe they will continue to support you moving forward. But at the same time, I know I had mentioned it to you in email, you know, more breweries are seeing guests willing to come indoors. So those breweries who have had those really great outdoor spaces, you know, now I might feel more comfortable going in indoor spaces as well. So instead of going to my usual same brewery every two weeks and enjoying a pint outdoors, I might venture and try that new brewery I've been waiting to try through the pandemic. And, you know, I think we will see people want to try more breweries. And I think brewery visits will once again become more frequent. But at the end of the day, those breweries who have done a fantastic job engaging and still letting their guests know they care about providing them a safe and welcoming experience through the pandemic, I think that loyalty will continue to be there. There. And I think that they built the groundwork for something so important and they've done a killer job, you know, the past 12 months. And I think they'll continue to reap the rewards from it. That little investment in that outdoor space, I believe is well worth it. Agreed. And with that said, any brewery listening, you know, consider freshening up your outdoor space right now. And as I talked about in October, when I encouraged brewery owners to simply flaunt that you have something amazing outdoors, do it again right now. It's probably been a while since you posted those beautiful outdoors pictures. Put it all over social media. And let people know you have the most fantastic outdoor space, you know, within your community. So let's talk about uh, CBC. So you were invited to speak at CBC. Tell us about the, the topic and the story behind your journey to plan the presentation. Well, I was very, very excited to get uh, selected to present at CBC. And the topic that we had submitted initially, my, myself and a team of um, four other taproom managers from across the country, was essentially, you know, how to maximize engagement during a pandemic. And, you know, so if we thought to ourselves, if we're meeting face-to-face for CBC, that topic probably isn't as relevant anymore. And if we're doing it virtually, well, then it still has value. But as we all know, CBC got pushed back to the fall. So we initially began by having these weekly meetups on Tuesday evenings where we would just simply talk about strategies to engage with guests during the pandemic, a lot like we've talked about today. But then we realized once CBC was pushed back to the fall, these weekly meetups, it wasn't as necessary to essentially plan our presentation, which will be given you know, in September, which will be face to face. It wasn't as necessary to focus on the planning aspects of the presentation we give but we kept having these weekly meetings. And they became, I don't even like calling them meetings. They were almost, they were therapy sessions. They were hangouts with our friends. They became a great way to just connect with people in a human way through the pandemic. So while they initially began as a way to plan something, they really blossomed into friendships that we hadn't had before. Because when I first set up this you know, group of us, I was the only one that knew the four other participants in the panel that we had organized. But these four tapper managers from across the country and brewery owners, we became connected in a way we never thought. And we like to think of it as, you know, we truly became the best of friends during this pandemic. And these weekly meetups became a great way for us to just complain about what's ever going on in our week, share tips, share strategies, you know, talk about COVID related, you know, happenings in our area, talk about whether or not we've got the vaccine. One of our uh, team members, Jamar, he's a taproom manager at Noda Brewing in North Carolina. You know, he got married a couple weeks ago in Texas. We sent him a really exciting gift card to a, one of his favorite local restaurants. So these aren't things you just do when you kind of know someone. These are things you do for friends. And we are so excited to have that first beer in person. But really, this whole concept of 
you know, this friendship we've grown has taught us that there's so much to be learned from one another. And there's a lot of personal and professional development that can simply come from just talking to people in similar situations. And we're going to be giving a talk on this at the Crappy Professionals virtual conference on April 20th at 5 p.m. But it's been a fascinating experience for us because it's allowed us to build relationships in a time when it's tough to have relationships. And there's been a lot of challenges through the pandemic, but this has been a bright spot for all for us all involved in this little community because we have something to look forward to. You know, whether we just need to sit down and hear that other people are going through the same frustrations as us, or you know, to talk about what we can do better in the world or just something to look forward to. These are moments that we've really grown to just absolutely love. And it's something the pandemic's been a positive with this aspect of these friendships that I've been able to grow and maintain. I love that. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, it's been very hard and very challenging. But, you know, in while that was happening, we, you know, we've learned new ways to connect, right? You know, even you and I, I don't know that we would have necessarily connected, you know, but for the the fact that we've been kind of forced into this type of technology, right, where everybody's now proficient with Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever your, whatever your app happens to be. So that's, I love how you guys have been able to sort of take and it probably comes back to engagement again is, you know, sort of that, yes, you're online, but you can still engage in these new and different ways. And in particularly where folks are separated geographically, you know, because even something like you've described is, is it's probably not even practical to do, but, but once a year, but you can do it weekly because of the fact that, you know, now everybody's comfortable with this type of interaction. Absolutely. In the craft beer industry, whether you're in Virginia, Massachusetts, California, wherever you may be, you're dealing with the same challenges. You're dealing with the same positive. And it's great to know you're not in it alone. I mean, just having that conversation with someone else who's experiencing the same thing as you, that's awesome to have. And it makes you feel better and to know that you're not alone. And during this pandemic, you know, we've all felt alone at times to have someone you can essentially, you know, put your virtual head on their shoulder. They give you a pat on the back. You know, we all need that right now. Absolutely. Hey, Andrew, it's great stuff as always. I'll recap everything for folks uh, in the in the show notes and provide links and so forth. But if folks want to get in touch with you or learn more about your business, what's the best way for them to do that? They can check out secrethopper.com or email me directly at andrew at secrethopper.com. And I'm always up for a conversation. That's the best part of these days, just connecting with other people in the industry. Even if you just want to chat beer, I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, man. We'll talk again soon. Thanks again. So Andrew, just a bonus question for you. You know, you and I can see each other. The uh, listeners on the podcast obviously can't, but behind you is a lovely bookshelf full of books. And I'd love to know, are there, you know, one or two or three favorite books that you might like to, to share with our listeners? No, absolutely. At one point I had my bookshelf organized by alphabetical order by author, but I think it's been quite a few years I've had time to do that. So I picked three books that are relevant to me right now. And the first book I have in front of me is Rick Steves, Europe Through the Back Door, 20, uh, 2002 edition. And the reason I picked this one is for two reasons. First off, I miss traveling like everyone else. My wife and I have done quite a few European vacations, and I truly miss just going on a random adventure and seeing what you find. But I also picked this one because right now I'm listening to a podcast about Rick Steve on the how I built this on the NPR network. And it's a fantastic, you know, little backstory of how he became who he is. And it's really fascinating. So that's highly recommended as well. The next book I have for you is a really fun one. Someone who's fascinated me and I love learning about is the comedian Steve Martin. Steve Martin, 
he's a renaissance man and he, he writes great music if you haven't checked out his music it's killer bluegrass stuff the man can sing but he's a, an incredible author as well and he's just a funny guy in general and i feel from his philosophy on life you can truly learn a lot and before me today i've got born standing up which is his biography it's a fantastic read as well i love learning about people i love learning about you know what made them the person we all know them for you know everybody knows you know Carrie's the the guy at Wormtown, but what did Carrie do before this? You know, I think you might have to write a book or do a podcast on you someday so I can learn a little bit more about that. The backstory fascinates me. And the other book that I picture pulled out today is a book called What Customers Crave. And this book is by Nicholas Webb. And it's written quite a few years ago. And it's probably the most relevant to what I do with regards to Secret Hopper, because it really talks about how you can wow and connect with your customer. And, you know, no matter what industry you're in, you truly need to understand and identify your customer's needs and figure out how you can best seize them and use that power of suggestion to help them spend more money while at the same time, you know, making them happy. So those are the three books. I haven't read them in a while. I wish I had time to go back and read a lot of these because I absolutely love reading. But relevant to today's conversation, a goal I gave myself just the other day, and I'm three days in, I've done it correctly. I told myself I'm going to start my day by reading for 30 minutes. When I come into my office, instead of just jumping to the computer, I'm going to go read for 30 minutes, whatever book that I have, you know, that I need to get through. And I've really lapsed on my reading through the pandemic. And this is my resolution. And by me saying it to you on a podcast, now I have to stick to it. This will be out there in the universe. Everyone will know this and they will hold you accountable. And I, I love your book list. It's very eclectic, right? You got travel, you got humor, you got some business in there. And I will second your um, recommendation on the Steve Martin Born Standing Up. It's one of the books, few books, I think, in recent memory that I was literally laughing out loud while reading it. Just the guy cracks me up. So that's, it's we all need a little humor. No doubt about it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Andrew. And uh, take care. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.